Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jason Kalipa and Gabe Giannis is on the mic with me. Good morning, sir. How you been? Or good afternoon, actually. Is it Texas time? Good afternoon yet? No. No, it's still morning. We're just oh. two hours ahead. All right, all right, all right. I know. It's like a whole other world. Uh, well, dude, I got a, I got a way to start this thing off. So I was listening to a small Joe Rogan clip, and he brought up this guy, Jelly Roll. Have you heard of Jelly Roll? I have only because he was on the podcast. I haven't listened to that episode yet, but I've, I've heard when we actually had dinner with... Um, sat down with Dan Martell at the two brain summit. He brought up that episode specifically. So it's, it's been on my list. I just haven't gotten to it. Oh, is that dude? Now it's all coming together. So that was a guy it's that all coming he, together, dude. So <laughs> said that was like one of his top favorite podcasts yeah. with Joe Rogan, right? Yeah. Oh, it's dude. It just clicked for me hard. So jelly roll. Um, I was listening to him this morning in the garage with Ava and, uh, Dude, he's got, dude, he's he's got a great voice and supposedly has a great story. So I need to go back and listen to that podcast. But I was listening to it on the way to the gym right now, and uh, just thought if you hadn't heard of Jelly Roll, he's kind of like country with a little flair of hip hop, um, kind of right up my alley. So it was great. Was that the question? If I knew who he was? Yeah. Oh no, no. <laughs> I only know because the podcast was recommended, and I haven't listened to it yet. But I've seen like a couple of clips here and there. He's also a very interesting looking guy. Dude, well, he's got the tattoos on his face. I'm just looking at he he's got the tattoos. Which is always a bold move. Yeah, always a really bold move. Like it, it, it's super bold move. And you know what's funny, man? I've met some people with tattoos on their face who are some of the nicest people in the world. But when you first look at them, they're super intimidating. Um, like right now, I don't have tattoos on my face, but I don't know if you can see this, but dude, I got. Like I have another black eye. Type yeah, you got thing. some battle wounds, bro. I got a fat lip yesterday. I, I started Googling, um, do you need stitches if you mess up your lip? Um, yeah, I was with Campbell police department yesterday, rolling jujitsu and, and things got a little, um, things got a little escalated. So my face is a little messed up and not because of tattoos. What's more intimidating face tattoos or cauliflower ear? Ooh, I think face tattoos, dude. Like, dude, I think cauliflower ear ten times out of ten. Really? I don't, dude. dude, I think people with, dude, I, just because I know, like, if you have a cauliflower ear, you know how to fuck people up, <laughs> dude. Most likely. You know what we were doing yesterday with the police department, which I thought was really interesting, was um, because I've been training for so long now, and I'm actually, you know, pretty big guy. Um, just working them inside control to see if they can get out, and it's just so relatable for their job, like whether I'm mounting them or side control, can they get out um, or can they hold me down for a minute before their backup gets there? And it was a, it was, it was a cool, it was super cool to have these guys. These dudes are badasses, um, but everybody can get better. Obviously everybody. And um, it was just cool to see them training. I think, I think it's becoming more and more regular now to have police officers doing more jujitsu, especially when you see these videos, man, of just guys like going crazy and just an officer just using jujitsu and just such a, calm collected way to to subdue them anyways i was i was rolling with those guys yesterday but uh, uh someone's basically knee or the knee basically a knee to the lip and you don't have to get hit that hard in the lip to mess it up pretty bad so asha wasn't very happy with me last night <laughs> you roll with mouth guard no i should should so, you do do is it like recommended that you do yeah dude that's a that's a that's a great question so I'd say 
95% of people do not wear a mouth guard, but I think most people would agree it's a good idea. It's because it's just, you know, honestly, man, I, I probably need to, because you think it's because you don't want your teeth to get messed up, but it's actually that your teeth go into your lip. I mean, dude, yeah, I cut lip, myself pretty tongue. bad. Yeah. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. I have one too. I need to just wear it. it <laughs> I need to wear it. I need to wear it. But oh, anyways, man. I'm dude, I, my face a little bit messed up and my biceps are hella sore. Did you, are you doing, you're not doing the mid-year mini comp workouts, right? I'm not. No, no, I, I, I might do, I didn't do the first one. So let, let me not say that I'm not doing the workouts, but I'm going to be in California starting next week. So I'm probably going to, I'm going to be getting down with whatever the team's getting down. So I'll definitely do the last week, most likely. And if anyone's doing the second week, when I get there on, on Monday, if anyone still has to make it up, I'll, I'll probably do it. But I haven't done the first one yet, no. So the workout, so the first mid-year mini comp workout was an AMRAP, but basically you flow through deadlifts and a variety of exercises and you AMRAP it. The second workout was um, 28, 22, 16, 10 of box jump over, pull up, and DB snatch. And then after that, you basically rest until the remaining time of 12 minutes. And then you go for a hang snatch and a power snatch, max, max weight. So dude, I'm like two days out from doing that. And I have like that delayed muscle soreness, um, delayed onset muscle soreness in my biceps. Anytime I do high volume pull-ups or pulling after not doing it for a while, it's just, dude, you know that feeling where you can't extend out your arm? That's what I have right now. Um, but you know, I was trying to set a good time and, you know, put up a good score. So had to go a little crazy. Yeah. And you know, it's in line with what we talked about on the last couple of episodes of, you know, like also making sure you don't like really mess yourself up because high volume pulling, especially again, if you're super competent with the kid could be something that messes you up, um, big time. So, yeah, that was, that was, that was my case. So, um, yeah. So for those of you who want to try it, 28, 22, uh, 16, 10, and uh, it took me nine minutes and 16 seconds. The cap was 12. And then you get a one minute rest. And then you go into this hang snatch. My snatch, bro. Actually, if we do like a clip for social, I think it'd be a really cool clip. Uh, my hang snatch, I set a PR in uh, New Zealand. And a haka happened. I was in New Zealand. I was going for a hang snatch. I must have attempted it like 15 times at this event. And there was no cap. You just had to get a hang snatch. And so Dave's like, bro, you got like three more attempts and then you're done. And one of the gentlemen there does a crazy haka, gets me all fired up and boom, I hit the 275. <laughs> well, sure enough, here I am all these years later. And uh, yesterday I was having a difficult time with 195 and it just goes <laughs> to show how much you could, you know, how much you could fall off if you're not training those, those, uh, those lifts. So well, actually I, yesterday though, I was doing a power snatch to be fair and not a full snatch. Well, there's that. And I think to be fair, like there's no way it is impossible to emulate like the excitement, the adrenaline, like all the intangibles also of like what you just described, like you're in New Zealand, like this is a huge showcase for people that don't know the Hakka is like this, like super traditional, like New Zealand war dance that is like, was made really famous. Well, I don't know if it's made really famous, but a lot of people know it from the New all Zealand black. all black um, rugby team because they perform it before their matches. And like, if you've never Googled that, you should. It's really badass. Like it's 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 pretty cool. But anyway, like you can't like compare that with, you know, you're like throwing down at the gyms 
whether it's like with class or with some buddies, like it, it, it's completely different. But to your point, yeah, that's that's a big difference. 275, 195, bro, big difference. But yeah, so Henry, uh, this gentleman in New Zealand taught us a haka. So we learned, it was me, Scott Panchik and uh, Chad. Um, why am I blanking on Chad's last name? Um, anyways, so it was the three of us, we were competing in the, in the um, CrossFit tour. I don't know if you remember these, and one of the events was this idea of like a hang snatch. There was a bunch of like random events we did in New Zealand. It was more of like a pump up of CrossFit. But uh, dude, so he taught us a haka and we, we, we did the haka. It was sick. And then after that, then he comes over. I'm having a tough time with this 275. I got stuck at it. Um, and uh, dude, it was just like perfect timing. Um, I can't wait to show that clip back because he just happened to do it. And I happened to hit the lift right back to back. It was perfect. So but yeah, those numbers go away quick, man. If you're not if you're not working them, I and if you don't have a strong why to do it, the numbers drop off really fast. And for me, still be able to do 200 pounds, like that's fine. But uh, it, it showed an idea that like there's a give and a take in your fitness. If you're not training it, you can't expect to get those type of results. It just is what it is. 100%. And you can't compare. Like I think that that doesn't necessarily reflect like how you've progressed in your fitness because I think that you know. Fitness isn't just how you can do in these collection of tests. Fitness could mean the fact that, hey, like now it supports jujitsu, which is a big deal for you. It allows you to like, you know, be active and have energy. Doesn't let you snatch 275 anymore, but does that really matter? You're probably not as fast as other workouts as you used to be either, right? Um, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you, did you watch Andrew Hiller's recent video of um, like what a CrossFitter is and his definition of a CrossFitter? Um, I saw the video. I didn't watch it. No. Yeah. He has an interesting take on some stuff. Sometimes I really wonder, like I sit there and think how much of it is like what he actually believes and how much of it is like, you know, him trying to be like a little edgy for the sake of being edgy. Right. Um, cause I think he does a great job, dude. I end up clicking on his videos all the time. Cause I was like, no fucking way you mean that. And usually he like explains a little bit of the nuance behind like, obviously what is like very teaser type sticker is. And I almost get like frustrated that I fell for it, clicked it and like spent 10 minutes watching this goddamn video, but just goes to show he's really good at what he does. He gets you to click and watch his videos. But sometimes I wonder if like he's saying the things he's saying because he actually like means it or if he's just kind of trying to like, you know, ruffle some feathers and, and get some engagement. I think it's a little bit of both. I definitely think he cares a lot about people watching his videos, which he should. And he does what he needs to do to get people to click on it. For sure. His intros are epic, bro. Like the way that he edits it in the intro, it just makes it super captivating. Yeah, he does a good job. Um, so what do you say about the CrossFitter? I can't remember exactly, but essentially he was saying that like, quote unquote, a CrossFitter is someone that like is always thinking about the nutrition component, first of all, which I've never heard it defined that way. But he was just having this conversation about how like, CrossFit, the way it's defined, like you can kind of do a little bit of like mental gymnastics and anything could be CrossFit, right? Like right. you could go for a swim and it could technically be CrossFit, right? If it's in the large scheme of like you're doing constantly varied in the week, you could go for a run. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Metcon. And he was saying that a CrossFitter is someone that is fit and keeps getting fitter always thinks about nutrition and is doing workouts with the clock that's like i don't want to like completely butcher this but essentially that was like how he nailed down his 
definition of what it is to be a CrossFitter. Um, and I, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, and I just remembered about it as you were talking about how, you know, you used to be measurably this fit. And you can argue that by how we measure fitness in the space, like you're less fit now, quote unquote, less fit, right? Like if we were to test you in a wide, like, you know, using the hopper model, a bunch of tests, I think that arguably on average, you would rank a little lower, but I don't necessarily think that that means that your fitness has diminished over the years. I think that if anything, it just has taken a different um, spot in like the priorities of what is a fulfilling life. And I think that that's perfectly okay. And I think that sometimes to a detriment, people get stuck in this like pigeonhole, pigeonhole view of what fitness is and the fact that it should be linear and anything but progress month over month, year over year is a step in the wrong direction. And I think that leads to, you know, frustration. I think it leads to people feeling burnt out. It leads to people just throwing up their hands and not really doing anything. And that's when really their fitness ends up hurting. Um, instead of like just taking a step back and realizing, Hey, what fitness means to me today is very different than what it did mean to me three, five years ago. And that's okay. And there isn't like a black and white way of like measuring progress over time. It's just, Hey, is it still supporting you being a happy functioning human? Um, and that's a lot more difficult and nuanced it's, it's to explain, to measure. right? Which is why I think it's like not as sexy, but, um, I think that it's important and it's important in our space specifically for us to talk about both as like athletes and also as gym owners and coaches, because I know a lot of coaches and gym owners have members out there that they wish they can kind of like shake them and get this through to them, right? Like you don't have to keep working out 90 minutes, two hours every day, because you must get better at, you know, these arbitrary tests. Like, are you living a fulfilling life outside of the gym? That's more important. And how can fitness support that? Not be at a detriment to that. Um, yeah. I mean, well, Adrian uh, Conway and I had a great conversation about similar to that. Like when we were both really, really training, um, I actually think we had reduced the volume a little bit and my health overall. We were talking specifically about volume and burnout and, um, you know, dude, I mean, yeah, too much volume is not the, the, the way to go. Yeah. I think for me, one of, the, one of the reasons why it's tough for me right now is that I actually feel like I'm fitter. I, I know that sounds weird, but like, I feel like I'm overall maybe fitter is not the right term. That's probably not the right term. Cause I, mean, I think I, that, uh, yeah. But what I was going to say is, and, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that that feeling that you have might be the fact that like, you're not like completely beat to a pulp every time you're not in the gym. I would assume that when you were training for stuff like the games and regionals, like the gym and working out took so much energy that you couldn't show up in other places. You couldn't like, you know, have as much energy outside of the gym because that was your sole focus. So what I would imagine is that this feeling of, hey, I feel fitter now is because all around 24 seven, you feel more active, more able-bodied, yeah. more like, you know, energized than, hey, I can hit these times and hit these specific lifts, but at the detriment of like, when I get home, all I want to do is like put my feet up and like recover, which you have to do when you're doing that much volume. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a good way to describe it now is that I feel more capable today than I did 10 years ago. I don't necessarily think I'm fitter because I was so fit then. Um, but I'm more capable, I think today than I was then. And that just means I've acquired additional skills, uh, mm -hmm. in particular in self-defense. I, I just think that, um, I feel more capable as a, as a human, which gives me fulfillment. 
Um, and just because I've been doing more stuff outside the gym, um, but you know, each is own. Like, I think the journey is, is yours, but whatever that journey is, you just have to keep it moving. You know, like, like you and I talked about like an object in motion stays in motion, right? If you, if you stop, I think that's the issue. Like you could find different motions and I think that's okay. But as soon as you stop your movement, that's where you have some big problems. So that's, that's something that I'm, I'm reflecting on right now and just, just sticking with. And I think that, uh, you know, there's just a lot of momentum behind the CrossFit community finding ways to just stay consistent for the rest of their life. And the sports obviously going through some changes with Dave back and everything going on. But I think that's just a small fraction of what the bigger picture is, which is getting a lot of people who fell in love with CrossFit to stay active forever. That's, that's the key. I think. Let me, let me ask you a, a tough question. That's impossible to answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. A tough question that's impossible to answer. That's that's okay. Good pitch. Yeah, but I'm but I'm gonna ask you anyway. How do you and I guess this isn't like directly your responsibility, but I think it might be for a lot of coaches, gym owners, or even like people who have this as a friend, or this applies to themselves. But how do you tell someone or you yourself determine when like if you have aspirations to be a competitive crossfitter? But you're at the point where like, honestly and objectively, like, dude, it's not going to happen, period, right? Like, you're never going to get beyond the point of like, the open or the quarterfinals, like you're just not. And for some people, you know, this might be like an unpopular opinion, but for some people, that's just, that's just a fact, right? Like, I think that for a while, that was 100% a fact for me. And I think that had I known that a little bit sooner, and reprioritize how I like dealt with fitness, I would have been better off for it. But I think that how many people do you think are, are, you know, kind of stuck in like a hamster wheel of shooting for the sky and they should just kind of like reprioritize and figure things out sooner rather than later. Or is there nothing wrong with just getting after it until you kind of come to that realization on your own? You know, I think it depends on each individual. I mean, this kind of, this is like a bigger life question. Like, let's just say you're at a, a job and you're not getting much fulfillment from it. You don't see a career trajectory for you. I think you have to make some, some pivots and changes. Like you have to kind of like take a look in the mirror and say, Hey, I don't enjoy what I'm doing eight hours a day. I don't see myself in this career path. I need to make some hard decisions and pivot. Let's just say that's, that's somebody out there. Same thing with CrossFit. It's like, dude, if you're training for hours and hours and hours a day, you're not necessarily loving it. And you don't necessarily see yourself finding any further fulfillment, whether that fulfillment's through money, fame, success, whatever, I think you have an obligation to make a pivot. I think it's, I think it's just more of a self-awareness piece than anything, Gabe. It's like, it's like, what are you trying to get out of the gym? And if you're getting that out of it, keep doing what you're doing. But if you're not getting that out of it, I think you have to have a hard look at yourself instead of just staying in the hamster wheel, because that's, what's comfortable to you. You know, you get, you got to get comfortable with this uncomfortableness. And I think that relates really well to careers and jobs. Like you're comfortable in this job because you've been working at Starbucks for five years. You're comfortable there, but you hate it as an example. And I, maybe Starbucks isn't the best example, but you know what I mean? Same thing applies, I think, to CrossFit. You're going to the gym every day. You're, it's, it's like part of your identity. And at some point you have to say, hey, look, this isn't alignment with where I want to go in the future. I think that just comes to self-awareness and deep reflection. I know it sounds super fluffy, but it's the truth, man. And once you make that decision, and you know, it's the right decision. I'd recommend 
pulling the plug quicker than, than not. And that goes for careers too, right? Like same exact idea. There you go. You had an answer, even though it was an impossible question to answer. I think that's a good answer. I agree with that. It's, it's, it's close to an impossible because it's so dependent on the individual. And mm. I think it's so dependent on them taking a hard look at themselves and saying, what provides me fulfillment and where do I want to be? And is this the part of the trajectory to get there? And if, you know, obviously you got to put in hard work, you got to put in your dues, like things don't happen overnight, but if you really want it, if you have a strong why go, but if you don't have a strong why and you're just doing it to do it, because that's what you've been doing for so long. I think, I think you gotta, you gotta question that. Yeah. I remember, um, I, I heard this on a podcast and I think it was a good point. It's like, it's almost at a detriment when what you're doing, whether it's career or like, you know, chasing a certain competitive goals when it's comfortable, like when you're just making enough progress that you can like trick yourself into like, Oh, like this is okay. And you keep doing it. Like that's almost worse than it going so terribly that it like shakes you into making the right decision that you should make anyway. I think that the, if you continue on the like sport analogy, like what happened to me, like getting injured really, really bad, it forced me to kind of, you know, make some pivots. And I think that career wise, something like getting laid off or, you know, company downsizing, like that could be something where in the moment it feels terrible and tragic. But I think on the flip side, it could be a blessing in disguise because hitting rock bottom is the thing that forces you to make the change that you should have made, which you wouldn't have made if you were still just comfortable there. Like not happy, not like super fulfilled, but like comfortable, like comfortable yeah. is it, it just lulls you into complacency versus like rock bottom forcing you to figure something out. You, you know, a lot of people have came and worked at NC fit and a lot of people have exited whether because we didn't think it was the right fit or they didn't think it was the right fit, whatever, right? A lot of people have came and gone. And I'd venture to say that most people, most of the time, if we decided it wasn't the right fit in the long run, at the time, it might be difficult, right? And they have to overcome some adversity. And it's, it's tough because it is change. But I imagine the long run, when they look at it, and hopefully, by the way, we've done business, they'd look at it and be like, look, NC Fit was looking out for me and my, my best interest. This was there was no more career path for me at this location or this company. And we parted ways. And at the time it probably felt like a big, you know, punch in the gut. But I think I imagine for most people, it ended up being a good thing for them. Um, long-term just because it, it forces them to, and us it, it, both ways, it, it forces each organization and each person to, um, get uncomfortable and see what they want to do next. Uh, that's a deeper thing. I'm just, I'm just saying like in general, I think that through that struggle, you could find what you really want to do. It's yeah. Yeah. Good kind of jarring experiences. Yeah. Um, well, here's good. It, it, like I, last night I had a friend over and we were talking about, so these friends are actually in the mortgage business and man, the mortgage industry has just been hit really hard because when the rates were at two and a half percent, two percent, refis and new mortgages were like flying off the shelf. Like you couldn't, you couldn't stop it. And so if you're doing a refi or a new mortgage, if I'm not mistaken, these, some of these companies, they're still making the same commission whether you're refining or you're, you're getting a new one. I think, um, either way, they're still doing a lot of volume and that volume drives revenue. Right. And now those interest rates have tripled and you're at 7% or 6% or whatever. So the, the volume has decreased dramatically. 
And so for them, it's like their business is going through what our business went through in a different way in COVID, right? Where just revenue just gets turned off. And the, the Jocko Willick good comes into play here. It's like, you know, you know, gyms shut down, you know, revenue turned off, good. Uh, you know, can't go to the gym, good or whatever. And it's like, because through these difficult times, something will come out of it that is going to be beneficial. But at the time, I think it's hard to see it. Um, but we were talking about that Jocko Willick, you know, you've, you've watched that video. Good. Right. Of course. Like, yeah. Anyway, many times like, like, yeah, like, like broke your leg. Good. Like, like get stuck in traffic. Good. <laughs> yeah. It's a good video, man. And it, it's just a good mindset to have. Cause there is always a lesson to be learned from anything that isn't ideal. Um, Speaking yeah. of things that, uh, were you going to say something? No, I, I, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, I, um, that outlook I think is really beneficial for most things. Most of the time, I do think there's some exceptions to that rule, but in general, um, in general, I agree with good through adversity. I've just seen some really bad adversity that I, I can't think of what was good with that. Like when you see a kid dying of cancer and the family's breaking up. I just, I, I can't, I cannot, um, I couldn't relate to that. Like that's where it just draws a line for me. And it, it's very difficult to think like good, you know, like, but I know that's an extreme for example, sure, man. of course. Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, you know, you can speak to that cause you've, you've been in that world, you know, very intimately. Um, and I think there are some areas where it's like super hard to have that, that mindset. And it would be unrealistic to expect a parent to be able to just like, you know, go right there. But I do think that it's good advice to like always try and find that thing to yeah. at least like at least aim for it eventually, right? With time, like yeah. with time, it brought the family together. With time, it like you know helped you value what you have and be grateful. But I completely agree with you. It's not like in the moment you're going to be able to like just turn a switch and find the positive in some you know, really, really, really unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's a better way to put it, right? Is maybe the way that, and the reason why I, I, I struggle with this idea of like good is because of what we just talked about. Like, um, I think trying to find the good is different than good. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. trying to find the good in a negative situation is different than saying like, you know, because I, I think there is like, hey, get get stuck in traffic, like good. Cause that, that's a micro dose of adversity. It's a small little thing. It's not a big deal, but you know, when you see someone going through something really, 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 really bad, it's just like, damn, it's, like, I don't know if they'll ever say good to that, but maybe they could find what good came of, came of it, even though the situation was horrific. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's hopefully they can find something positive to take out because they, they, they might never, man, like that shit is, I can't, especially being a parent now. And I've talked to you about this a little bit offline. Like it changes your perspective on so many things because I can imagine shitty stuff happening to me. And obviously, you know, that's upsetting, but it's just a completely different level. Whenever you hear of anything happening to someone's son, daughter, just their child in general, when you have one, because immediately if your mind does go to how would it feel if that happened to my son, it's just like, dude, it's like a bucket of cold water. Like it's just, it like knocks the wind out of me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's different. And I can't imagine 
that being real and not just being like, oh, how would I feel if? Yeah. I don't know if you remember this. And at the time, I didn't quite understand it. It's so funny how time has a way of changing your perspective on things. I was actually talking to Dave Castro about this the other day. But Greg Glassman years ago, I don't know if you remember this. They sent out, I don't know if it was a Christmas card or something where it was like St. Jude's. It was like uh, CrossFit Hope. It was like a fundraising effort. And it was like, it was a nurse pulling a wagon full of like really sick kids. Do you, do you remember this one? I don't. And at the time it was like horrific. It was like, dude, whoa. Like it was just way over the top. And in hindsight, you know, I, I he was using some kind of like the shock factor to prove a point, but that's the kind of stuff that I think about back in the hospital and looking back on that card for some people listening, they remember this card. It was like, at the time I was like, bro, why are you doing this? Like, this is terrible. And even so now, I don't know if I would have done that, but I get what he was going with because I've seen that exact same situation come up at the hospital. And once you see it, it's hard to take it out of your mind. So that's, I think why he kind of used that as the, the card. I'll have to look it up. I'll have to send it to you. It's, it's heavy, it's heavy stuff. Yeah, man. Super heavy stuff. But back to Jocko, find the good. Uh, but I think it's, it's, it's important to reflect on like that at the time, like there's probably not going to be good in everything, you know, like, but I think that if you're looking for it, you'll probably, you'll have a more likelihood of finding it if you're looking for it than if you're just going to be in the negative. And I think, especially as you're going through those negative situations, looking for the good, I think is, is positive. I mean, that's something I think that Ashley and I did a good job of, man. It's like, you know, you'd be in some really horrific situations but just trying to find the good, I think also like just gave you a little bit more momentum to keep moving forward. You know, like it just kind of gave you that like positivity because you have no other option, you know, like you're going to go through it anyways. You might as well try and look for the little nuggets of good along that journey. You have to, man. Yeah. It's, you got to go into survival mode and find those silver linings, right? Yeah. We're, we're hosting an event. Um, actually like, I don't know when this will release, but probably like a month after this releases for the top donors of Ava's kitchen we're going to be going down to, um, we're doing an event, uh, and, um, fantastic event. So we did one last year where we invite like a hundred families and they come out, all these families are going through treatment for cancer. And they, uh, we put on like a, a phenomenal event for them. And we're also inviting the donors to be like a part of it to see where the money actually goes to for these families that are going to be, you know, enjoying music and, and, face painting and whatever. It's just, it's just a day for them to get out. And so I'll have to keep you posted on how that goes. Cause I think it's important for people to realize who have donated Avis kitchen, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, aviskitchen.org this upcoming year, the Avis kitchen will be in March this year. And it's an annual fundraiser for pediatric cancer. So just wanted to kind of give a selfish plug here, um, on, on that. <laughs> no, not selfish. Um, it's great organization does really cool stuff. Did you see this submarine? By the time this this airs, this episode, yes, I imagine I'm, we'll either I'm, have really I'm, positive. I'm, news. I'm neck neck deep in the submarine news. You're either it's either going to be really positive or really negative by the time this episode comes out. I ah, uh, it's heavy, right? That's a heavy. Uh, try and so find here's the, the interesting Jocko thing. Good in I, that I, one. So so <laughs> here's the interesting thing, though, and I've I I wonder if you've noticed the same thing. It's un it is heavy. I think it's really heavy. And I think it's unfortunate 
that it's been not treated as heavy because of the people that it is impacting. And what I mean by that is, so the people that are in this submarine, so for anyone that, uh, I find it surprising if you're not aware of this, but if you're not aware of this, because uh, it's been on the news everywhere, there's this like tiny tourist submarine that yeah. is part of a company that offers tours to go see the Titanic wreckage, which for anyone that isn't aware, like I didn't know this, the actual Titanic wreckage is like so deep under the ocean. Like yeah, I think it it's is 13,000 feet. It is insane how deep this thing is. So it's not like easy to get to, right? So this submarine for $250,000 a ticket offers this like incredible tour where you go down and check out the wreckage. The submarine is like, there's apparently been like a lot of controversy because experts have warned that this thing is like not ready to go that deep, hasn't been like battle tested. Like they're saying it's not safe. And the company that, you know, has this, you know, operated it anyway. And essentially everyone that's in the submarine, the five people, they're all billionaires. They're like super wealthy people, obviously, that are going on this $250,000 trip. And one thing that I've noticed is there's been a lot of jokes made about this. You know, there's oh, been a lot of like- the, I haven't seen the jokes. Yeah, like, to, for like, the record, by the way, when we're recording this, currently they have about 24 hours left of air in the submarine, according to experts. So yeah, w just for the record of anybody, who is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've seen memes of like, um, <laughs> I saw one that said, well, they got the full Titanic experience. And there's a lot of um, stuff about like the oh, fact that it was operated with a game controller. Yeah, like a just Xbox a lot of controller. Like, yeah. 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 Like this thing was like MacGyvered together. And I just think I, I just thought it was interesting because obviously if, if it was something tragic that was impacting people that maybe weren't billionaires, I think that the overall tone would be different. And I just think that it's interesting that we have different sensibilities to what is insensitive and what isn't based on the people it impacts. And for some reason, people that have a lot there's almost this like, I'm not saying it's okay, but I feel like based off what I've seen, there's a, it, it's a little bit more okay to be insensitive about it, which I think is wrong, right? Like this is heavy. Like these are five people down there that regardless of what you may think of them and how much they have, like, dude, that is a terrible way to go out. Bro. Yeah. I, yeah. And, I mean, and I like they made the decision to take the tour. Like I get all that, but- I still feel like at least I I've been surprised by some of the stuff that I've seen and like the lighthearted nature of how it's been dealt with. Cause it's dude, it's super trash. I mean, you said it when you brought it up, you're like, it's heavy. It is heavy. Like the one guy is there with his son, dude. Yes. You have an Indian billionaire and his son. And then the other, uh, and then I think there's three other guys in there, but dude, this submarine is like super small. I don't, you can't even stand up in it. <laughs> They have very little water, very little food, and they lost communications like 90 minutes in. And what the crazy part about it is, and I was talking to Ava about this this morning, is that you'd th she's like, oh, dad, well, if the Titanic is like, you know, two miles down or whatever it is, and this thing's going five miles an hour, like it should be, you know, you should be able to find it. I'm like, but what you don't realize is just how the circumference, like how it changes based on the depth and the distance. So like, Dude, it's not just on the top of the ocean. Like you have all, all the way down, all the way across. They're saying it's the size of Connecticut or bigger that they're searching. And um, 
Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem very hopeful based on what I'm reading from the news. And yeah, yeah I think, Dude, I think there's like so many layers. Gabe, hmm? I think maybe it's not the fact that people don't care because they're rich. I think it's because they chose to do it. I think maybe it changes people's perspective. Like, it's like when you hear people dying in a tragic, you know, skydiving accident, it's like, I don't know if people react as much because those people chose to go skydiving. Maybe that's why it's not so dramatic for some people. I can see that. I think the, I think the whole situation is terrible. Um, and I think that it's super unfortunate, but I wonder if that's the, the, the triggering mechanism for, for people to get not as upset, you know? Yeah, maybe I, I can see how, like, you know, when, when minors get stuck in something or like, you know, there's been like some really good movies, like those kids that got Dude, stuck in that kids? cave in Thailand Bro, and that all that stuff. And like, like, obviously no one would make jokes about stuff like that. So I can see the difference of like their kids or like, you know, they didn't make the decision to do something that obviously was incredibly, incredibly risky. I, I, I get all that. It just still seemed a little, and maybe I'm just following some really, uh, negative accounts maybe it's just me that's seeing this but um i i remember like yesterday i was reading some stuff and i was like dude come on the one thing that is ridiculous though and i don't know if you saw this the <laughs> son of one of the billionaires that's in there like went to a blink 182 concert like while his dad is in there and posted it on instagram posted it on instagram with a caption saying like i know this might seem insensitive but my family would want me to like be here enjoying this, like regardless of the situation, like, dude, so, so weird. I mean, bro, if you have to put up a social media post saying, I know this might seem insensitive, it's probably insensitive. Like that's a good rule of thumb. Like, shouldn't you good be doing everything in your power to identify resources and tools to get the, like your dad back. Oh, that's, dude. ah, that sucks. Oh know, man. man. And a Blink-182 concert. It's not like <laughs> If, if you didn't post about Blink-182 concert, did you go to the Blink-182 concert? Oh, man. You know, this morning, I was listening to Jelly... What was his name again? Um, Jelly, Jelly Roll. Roll. Jelly Roll, talking to Ava. And um, I'm actually going to share on social media here pretty soon a, a video of her bench pressing and doing her pull-up. Because we've been on a mission for like a few months to get her... Like, I'm on a mission to get Ava a strict chest-to-bar pull-up Strict pull-up first, and then a strict, legit push-up. We're pretty close on the push-up, but we're pretty far away on the strict pull-up. So um, I was going to put up a post just basically saying, like, um, lifting isn't only for guys, and have her doing a bench press. That would be pretty funny. Because, like, there's, all, like, this whole stigma that, like, bench is only for guys. I think it's not. I think I think everybody should be lifting. In particular, I think women should be lifting. So um, I'll have to send you that video because she's crushing a – She's, she's, she's hitting like a 50 pound bench for like reps. It's not bad. It's fine. No, dude, that's awesome. It's getting there. Yeah. Uh, women that like are, well, the stigma is that like, you're going to get big and bulky and some women prefer not to be big and bulky, but I think people don't realize how hard you have to work to be big and bulky. Like, dude, you're we should not going to get whole, big and bulky. You should we just do an entire episode just on, you're not going to get big and bulky unless you want to get big and bulky. You've and even if you want to get big and bulky, bulky yeah, it's not that easy to get big and bulky. Take it like, from me. Yeah, like you have to try. Um, speaking of which, let's uh, let's jump real quick to the Yeti question of the day. How do you balance being a father with training CrossFit and Jiu-Jitsu? So, you know, you just got, uh, Shade just went to his first Mets game. Uh, I just took Caden, um, actually with my, with my in-laws, we went to a giants game, which was cool. 
Uh, bro, so let me tell you about this Giants game, and then we'll, we'll answer the Yeti question of the day. Check this out. Bro. All right. Ninth inning, bottom of the ninth inning, Giants are closing it out, right? The game is tied, 3-3. And a new pitcher comes in for the uh, Padres, and this pitcher is doing okay. First guy gets up, boom. So so tie game, if if Giants score, they walk off, they, they win, right? You know the way it goes. Tie game, boom, Padres, okay. So Padres go, pitcher, the guy hits like a, a single, right? Boom, one guy's on base. Next guy hits like a, a single or whatever, and or double, whatever. And now you got a guy on first and a guy on second. Then third guy gets up and the pitcher walks him. So now bases are loaded and it's two outs at this time, at the time it came. So this guy comes up, he's like fourth or fifth, whatever up, sixth up. And, and two strikes happen. And we're like, oh shit, because if it's one more strike, it'd be third out and then you go to the 10th inning. Okay, so the whole stadium stands up, erupting. You're explaining, you explaining baseball is the best, by the way. Dude, it's going crazy, right? <laughs> two strikes, one more strike, and, and you're out, right? So then ball happens. Then a ball happens. Then a ball happens. Full count. Three, two. Place is erupting. Full count. Bases loaded. Then guess what, Gabe? Caden's going crazy because the, the pitcher throws. Uh, foul tip, number one. Foul tip, number two. Okay? So now you full count. Two foul tips, and then boom, he throws a he throws a, a a ball, and the Giants win the game. It was epic, dude. That is honestly, I, I never really cared much for baseball, but baseball is great. Like it's so exciting oh, when it, you know what I mean. Baseball is absolutely amazing, and the more you understand the game, and the more you appreciate like what goes into it, which you do a lot more now that Caden's so into it. It is amazing. It's so fun. So yeah, we went to, we took shade his first game. It's funny because he's seven months old. He's not going to remember this, but I'm going to remember it. And it was awesome. Um, and it was, it was quite the experience, dude. We, uh, we got really good seats, which in retrospect was totally not the move because we had really good seats um, on the Mets dugout side, which was like cool for me. Cause like you got to see the Mets warming up and we were close to them coming out of the dugout. But like, Shea doesn't care. And the fact that we were like down in like really good seats meant that it was crowded and it was like tough for us to get in and out of the row. Like looking back on it, I would rather have us getting seats where we had a little bit of room. We were right on the aisle. Anyway, he lasted half an inning before having like a complete meltdown. He was like, dude, get me the hell out of here. So Bloom had to take him for a walk and she rolled with the punches. It was great. And then we eventually met up. He calmed down. We came back. We made it six of the nine innings with a seven month old, which I think was pretty good, but it was a, it was, was a fun experience. Headphones? Yeah. Did my audio? No, no. Away? Was he wearing headphones? No, I loud, loud noise. Doesn't like really bother him. Um, at, at all. It was more, I think like all the people, all the faces, like everyone trying to like, you know, like mess around with him and stuff like that. He just, you know, he got to a point where like, this is a lot I need. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, Caden, on the other hand, he's like, Let's go Giants trying to start a cheer every five seconds. And so the, the ref made a, um, or the umpire made a bad call and he goes, 
umpire, you suck. And I was like, I looked, I was like, bro, no, 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 none of that. No, like, none of that. Uh, all right. So back to the Yeti question of the day. Uh, Mark, thanks for sending this out. Uh, how do you balance being a father with training jujitsu and, and CrossFit? I think it's just about AMRAP mentality, about trying to be present and focused. And uh, it's something I've been working on for many, many, many years. Um, something I still want to get better at. But when I'm on the mats, I'm on the mats. When I'm hitting a workout, I'm hitting a workout. And when I'm with the kids, I try and be as present and focused as I can be. Um, you know, typically my days start off early with my daughter. We work out in the garage together. I try and be as present and focused as I can there. And then um, back later on in the day, once the work day is over, just try and be as present and focused on them as I can, especially trying to like allocate more time. Like my son and I now, we, uh, we, we um, landscape together and just trying to like, you know, put the phone away for a little bit and just kind of focus on him and landscaping and doing physical activities the way that we connect. So that's the way I balance it for me is like being present and focused on each facet of the life. And when I'm with them, it's not necessarily quantity, it's quality um, is something I focus on and quantity too, but, but more so than, you know, Hey, let's go to a giants game, but the whole time I'm going to be sitting on my phone, you know, whatever, instead of engaging, I think is, is the difference. So that's the way I balance it. Yeah. I mean, that the AMRAP mentality is something that I think is so powerful and people to focus on, not try and do two things at once. What, what I would add to it now that I've been a dad for a little while is just focusing on like if training, if you want training to be a priority, just make it a priority. Like, I think that that's important. I think that we need to move away from this, like, you know, narrative out there that when you become a parent, you're all of a sudden so busy that you can't prioritize yourself, your fitness and your training. I think that's complete bullshit. I acknowledge that I'm super lucky because I work from home. I have a, you know, gym that's right here at, at, um, at our barn. So like I have access to this stuff easy. Having said that, I think that more people than not use the fact that they get busy as a parent, which I understand, dude, it changes everything. Like there's times where like I had a plan and like that plan's not going to happen. Like I yeah. need to help out. Like he's having to melt, whatever. That said, I think that a lot of people, it's an easy excuse of like, Hey, I'm a dad now. Like I'm busier. That's going to take a back seat. And that's just a decision you have to make. Like if you want to continue to prioritize training and fitness, even when you're a dad, you just have to prioritize training and fitness, which means that other things might go by the wayside might mean that you spend less time on your phone. That might mean that, you know, you can't watch that episode of Netflix that you usually do at night. That's fine. But if you do want to make fitness a priority, just make fitness a priority. Like it's just a decision. You can absolutely make time for the things that are important for you if you decide to make time for the things that are important for you. Um, and I, I do think that we just need to stop like normalizing the fact that like when you become a parent, you're all of a sudden so busy that there's zero time for these things. There might not be as much time as there was before, but I think that people also have to realize that you don't have to dedicate, you know, 90 minutes a day, seven days a week to quote unquote work on your fitness. If you're doing like really good training, whether that's bodybuilding, whether that's following an awesome GPP program, like the NC Fit Workout, if you're doing that and really being present and putting it like AMRAP mentality, like getting after it three to four times a week, which if you're not doing it as a class, you can easily get done in 30 to 45 minutes. Like, right. dude, you're going to be hella fit. A hundred percent. Like 
three to four times a week, 100% effort, AMRAP mentality, you're present, you're doing all the programming, warm up, strength portion, and workout, you're going to have no problem with your fitness. I think that people also just think that it requires this like level of yeah. time commitment that is completely unrealistic and like just not true. That's that 100%. Hey, uh, speaking of which, have you heard of the show Tulsa King? No. Bro, so I'm not a big like movie watcher, TV watcher much, but for some reason I got turned on to Sylvester Stallone's Tulsa King. It's like an eight episode, like it's short. They're like 30 minute episodes, but dude, it's like Sopranos meets it's, 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 it was, it was pretty good, man. I, I started watching it and I, so speaking of which, that's a great example of how if prioritizing your fitness is number one, if you have extra time, you should probably be prioritizing other stuff. But if there's every now and then you could add in some other stuff for yourself, check out Tulsa King for a second. I think that's the name <laughs> of it. I'm, I'm 99% sure it's Tulsa King. Um, I think you'd actually really like it. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. We always have one show that we're like super into. Um, yeah, it's called that, Tulsa that, King. We've been watching uh, Silo recently on Apple TV and that's been pretty good. No, I'm a no. sucker for like, post-apocalyptic like you know shows that like take place in like the future when some shit's gone like terribly wrong i don't know why but i love those type of shows and that's what this is dude you know what ashley's really into is bravo anything bravo she's super <laughs> into it so there's this show like watch what happens live with andy cohen and she likes this stuff um there was a show um they have like a damn i don't even know what it's called now but there was like a recent affair like if you, if someone who's listening to this is going to be like, Jason, uh, damn it. Um, they have like a restaurant, they're like a bar, Tom, Tom, Tom. Have you heard of these guys? Tom Sandoval. He like had an affair. Oh, Dude, this is it. so not, this is so far from my world. Dude. I don't even remember what the name of the show is now. Oh, anyways, someone's going to listen to this and be like, Jason, the show's called this. I'm a huge fan. Why are you disrespecting? But anyways, Ashley's like a huge fan of this show and it's all drama all the time. And I don't know how they do it, but anyways, it's that, that's, that's what she watches. And so sometimes she pulls me in, but uh, that's going to bother me now. I can't remember the name of it. You'll remember it as soon as we're done recording and it'll come back to. Damn. All right. Well, anyways, uh, well, bro, uh, we got to jump on the coach, like a pro call. Um, for those of you who are, you know, Coaches out there, we have a new cohort of Coach Like a Pro coming up in the future. It, this Coach Like a Pro course has been super amazing. It's an eight module, five week with, with calls, with homework. Uh, I really think it's going to make an impact on the coaches that are participating in it. So make sure to check out Coach Like a Pro. And uh, if you've been listening to these podcasts, seeing more reviews coming in lately, it's been great. Make sure to leave us a rating, a review. Definitely helps out the podcast, helps us out a lot. So that's all I got, man. Any uh, closing remarks on that? No, dude. These are fun. I love answering the questions of the day, so keep those coming. Um, but no, that's it. Dude, it's going to bother me so much the name of that show. Is <laughs> just, just, ashes and piss. Um, all right, buddy. We'll keep getting after it. Keep crushing it. And I'll see you again next week. Oh,